Welcome to the Misfit Stars podcast. I'm Shannon Curtis. And I'm Jamie Hill. Hi, listeners. Hi, Shannon. Hello. All right, people. So here's the deal. This is uh, an unusual and frankly unwelcome podcast episode, and we need to give you a content warning right up front. We're going to be talking today about suicide. Yes, and that's because a dear friend of ours took his life last week, and um, we just, you know, when we started this podcast, we uh, started it with the premise that we were going to talk each week about the stuff that was important to us, Mm -hmm. and there has been no other single event (laughs) this week that's more important uh, for us to hash out together and uh, than this one, and so we're going to do that. Uh, We're going to... We're going to approach this topic with as much frankness and honesty and authenticity as we can. Mm-hmm. Um, something that, frankly, feels quite vulnerable to do on microphones. Mm-hmm. Um, but we want to, A, honor our friend, mm-hmm. B, spend some time remembering him, and C, uh, do what we said we were going to do with this podcast, and that is to hash stuff out together in as real and authentic way as we can. So we're going to do that today. Um, if you're not up for listening about a conversation about uh, suicide and, and processing and grieving the death of a friend by suicide, then you can skip out on this episode. Yeah. We will be back next week with hopefully a continuing of the discussion, discussion we've been having about um, the sprawling topic of reentering society and and individualism and all that kind of good stuff. We've got, you know, more uh, thoughts. More thoughts on that. But you can pick up back next week if you don't feel like you are up to listening to this conversation today. But if you are, we welcome you to join in. Um, and uh, we look forward to having further conversation with you about this if you want to dig into it with us. Yeah. And just so you know, we're going to do a completely different podcast today structurally than we usually do. There's not going to be a break. There's not going to be any of the sort of sections. We're just going to give you one announcement. I'll give it to you right now, uh, which is that we have a Misfit Star Zoom meetup this Friday, July 30th. It's at 6 p.m. Pacific, 9 p.m. East. There's a Zoom link in the Misfit Star social network, and we'll send it out also on the email list. I think we already have, but we'll send it again. Please come to this one, Misfit Stars, if there ever were a time when we want to be there for you and when, frankly, we need support ourselves, it would be, it would be this time. Mm. And we would absolutely love to see your face and just commune with you, talk with you, see how you're doing, spend some time together, share some space. Mm-hmm. So that's this Friday, July 30th, 6 p.m. Pacific, 9 p.m. East. Please come. So uh, I think we should probably just... Uh, can, we, can we, before we start yeah. like going down our list, I just want to ask you, we usually do a how you're feeling section. Mm. I know we sort of eliminated that in our notes, but it just in this moment feels important to just check in. How are you feeling right now? <sighs> well, literally this second, not like the bigger scope of you know today, this afternoon or today or whatever. Right mm-hmm. now I'm feeling anxious and a little bit tense. Yeah. Um, but also I'm feeling okay. Like I have a baseline of I'm going to be all right. And I do recognize that I've felt, uh, I've definitely felt anxious. Like the first part of this day, I think just knowing that, you know, this podcast was coming, I just, and it's stupid. Well, I shouldn't judge my own emotions, (laughs) but I do feel like the reason that I'm about to say for why I feel anxious is a little bit dumb, which is that like, I want to like do the best possible job to honor Scott the best possible way. Mm. Um, but like there's, you know, that's, 
that's dumb. Like I, I'll do what I'll do and it will be the best I can do. And that's super good. And I'm, yeah, I acknowledge that, you know, it's an impossible task to try to make everything a little bit better with a podcast episode. <laughs> I no, don't think it's possible. No, uh, no. <laughs> so, uh, you know, but that, you know, that said, I'm doing the best I can. I'm doing okay. Uh, how about you? How are you feeling? Um, you know, I, I have uh, in this very moment, I'm feeling on, on the edge of tears. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so we're probably going to deal with that a little bit today. Mm-hmm. That's, that's coming. I, it's funny. Cause it's not like I've been on the verge of tears every day since we learned this news last week. No. Um, it honestly is just, it, and this is, I think this is pretty normal for me when I am sharing my feelings about something about about this topic with somebody new mm-hmm. <laughs> which really this kind of is like mm-hmm. we're having a conversation with folks who will eventually listen to this recording you know for some reason that sharing with somebody new makes all the feelings come up fresh again sure of course which is interesting it's not that weird like i you know i mix records for a living and yeah. you know i hear it and i get to the point where i think it's as it's as good as i can get it in that moment and then when i play it for you it's like i hear it with fresh ears yeah it's exactly the same dynamic it's yeah. almost like you're adopting that newness of perspective when you share it with a new person yeah maybe so maybe that's maybe that's what's happening here i'm hearing my own feelings with some newness yeah. <laughs> as I'm sharing them with somebody new. So I'm right in this moment, I'm feeling on the verge of tears. Um, I, uh, it's, it, it's, I'm, I'm having a hard time identifying my feelings okay. beyond that right now, which is something that happens for me from, t- from time to time. That's okay. So that's where I'm at. Okay. And I, I feel, I do feel determined to, have this conversation in as open-hearted a way mm-hmm. as we can. Um, so I feel determined mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, and a little bit like crying. Okay. Determined and like crying. Yeah. Got that's it. where I'm at. So on, uh, so first of all, just like the broad brush details, uh, our friend and uh, fellow misfit star, Scott S., mm-hmm. uh, took his own life. Last Thursday afternoon, uh, from from what we know, we don't know a lot of details about it, uh, and and that's hard. That sucks. And I want to uh, just speak to that immediately because I know from my own experience, whenever I hear that mm-hmm. someone died. Mm-hmm. The first thing I wanted to know is how did they die, mm-hmm. and it's not because I have a sensationalistic, prurient interest in like trauma porn. Yeah. <laughs> it's not no. that. It's that the more details I have, I think for me personally, the less my imagination then rushes in to try to fill in the missing details mm-hmm. because I have an overactive imagination. Mm-hmm. And like, if you tell me someone died in this way, then I can just picture it. And like, that is what it is. And it might suck and picturing it might feel traumatic, but at least I don't have to picture 40 alternatives Right. I only have to picture one thing, yeah. you know? Yeah. And in so many situations like this, no one ever really knows the details, mm-hmm. you know? In, you know, higher profile types of things where you might read about it in a newspaper, or there might be a coroner's report that a reporter has accessed. And so you might know some factual details, but you never know the, like, important details, mm. you know, the 
all the stuff that you subsequently try to to fill in about you know what the person's state of mind was. I mean, obviously not good, but yeah. you know. Uh, yeah, you're just you're describing a feeling of just uh, when. That 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 you're trying to stave off the the wondering, mm-hmm. maybe that can make you feel anxious, mm-hmm. that can keep you up at night. Sure, that you know, um, I, I I I completely understand that. I think that's a natural and fairly normal response that people have the yeah. the wanting to know details. And I, I think you know that there's some probably other <laughs> other things about sort of the human psyche that seeks those kinds of details Mm -hmm. that, you know, that help us to sort of deal. Um, I think it's, I think it's normal and natural to, to be wondering about that stuff. Yeah, I think so. Uh, so Scott S. Well, uh, before we, before we say anything else, Scott S, you've heard us say the words Scott S on this podcast a lot Mm -hmm. over the last two and a half years uh, because he uh, came into our lives um, right before we started this podcast. We met him. And from the beginning was one of our most regular listeners, Mm -hmm. um, was one of the most active participants in our Misfit Stars community. When we have occasionally done listener questions I think probably you've heard us say the words Scott S in relation to listener questions on this podcast more frequently than any other listener yep. because he always submitted the best questions. Yeah, he had amazing questions. and He so, had amazing thoughts in general, something that yeah. he would do with us a whole lot. And it wasn't just apropos of the podcast, although frequently it was. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it was apropos of just an ongoing discussion we might have been having in the mm-hmm. moment uh, or some music that he was excited about that he wanted to share with us or mm-hmm. some music that we put into the world that he wanted to reflect his thoughts back to us on. Mm-hmm. But he would leave us voice messages, mm-hmm. uh, sometimes in Messenger. At a certain point, we had one another's cell phone numbers because we did a house con- two house concerts with him, mm-hmm. you know? And so then we, we had a little ongoing text thread that went right up until last month. Yeah. Uh, you know, and he would leave us frequent voice messages on there. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we, we met him in 2000. Uh, you'll have to help me with the year. <laughs> 2017. It was no, no, space no, no. between, right? The last, the one after that, 2018. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that was the tour of both at the same time. We didn't meet him on space between. No, it was both at the same time. It was at our friends June and Brian's house concert that mm. they hosted mm-hmm. in our sort of like fall dates. So it was the, I think it was an October house concert. I knew it was June and Brian, but I could swear it was space it, between, but you have a better memory than I, I do. I so guarantee I trust you. Because we had, that was the, the tour on which we were having people write words on rocks yep. at the end of the show um, and he came right over to the pop-up store at the end of the night and talked with us that night of like we he struck did. up that conversation right away yeah and uh, he always wanted to connect yeah with everyone yeah and you know met, meeting him there that night we had you know no idea that that our relationship would develop into the kind of friendship that we had but um, looking back on it now it just seems like perfectly natural that it did because we had lots to talk about that night and mm-hmm. the conversation just continued and broadened and got deeper over the subsequent almost three years. It started in the way that a lot of the friendships that we get out of our music work start Mm -hmm. with, you know, someone 
appreciating what we do and, you know, wanting to be closer to it and wanting to get to know us. But as with so many of these friendships, it became quickly bi-directional, you know, because that's what we invite into our lives. We're not looking to be up on a pedestal with people looking up at us. We're looking to live in community with people. You know, we talk about that a lot on this podcast. Mm -hmm. And he was really open to that. It's really down to how open the other person is to that. You and I put ourselves out there constantly for that sort of thing. And sometimes people aren't interested in going deeper. That's fine, you know. But sometimes people are. Mm -hmm. Uh, A lot of the people in our sort of inner misfit stars community have... Have, have wanted to engage in that mm-hmm. kind of way. And it's so special mm-hmm. when that happens, you know, because yeah. we get more special people in our lives. We get more friends, mm-hmm. you know, and, and, and Scott really was down for that. Like he <laughs> yeah. wanted to have a friendship and he was really open to it. Yeah. And I think really intentional about it too. Like yeah. it, it, his, his friendship I think is unique in our lives in that he really, he wasn't just down for it. He went after it, yep. you know, and, um, it, honestly, it felt really great to be pursued as a friend by somebody in that way, you yes. know, like, and, 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 um, and I, I hope that he felt that we did the same for him because it was a really important and special relationship. We, we talked about stuff all the time, like music. He was, he's a huge, he was a huge music fan. Huge music fan. And specifically. Rooted deeply in like 80s synth pop. Yeah. But like we are because we grew up, we're the, basically the same age yeah. as him. But like. He, like us, never stopped listening to new stuff. He was constantly on Spotify, like on the What's mm-hmm. New This Week, delving down, you know, if you like this artist, you might like this artist, rabbit holes. He would send stuff to us constantly like, hey, have you heard the new blah, 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 mm-hmm. you know? And frequently it was something that we listened to and really enjoyed. Yeah. Like he had really good taste too, yeah. you know? Yeah, like totally. he was a passionate music listener and also like an informed and thoughtful music listener. Yeah. Which is not always, there's not always a correlation between those two things. Yeah. Like there's sometimes people who listen to a ton of music, but a lot of it is crap. Like they'll send you <laughs> stuff and you'll be like, this is crap, you know? <laughs> but it was not the case with him at all. Like yeah. he always went for deep stuff. That's something that I personally yeah. really, and I know you two related to him on, like on just an intuitive level. What I look for when I'm listening to music is I look for something that has a big emotional hook that gets me. Yeah. An emotional hook. Oh yeah. You know, and it's usually based Based in words, oftentimes it can be based in a sound or mm-hmm. or, an, or or just like a turn of a phrase, like something that just like gets you, that yeah. grabs you, you know. And all the stuff that he was into, he was into for that exact same reason. He mm-hmm. was always looking for something to either, I think, reflect back emotions, underscore emotions oh, that yeah. he was having, or to heighten them. Oh yeah, like he he was just a really heart on his sleeve kind of person. Um, really like. Uh, those his his waters ran deep, yeah. <laughs> you know, and I and he was just a very deep feeling um, person, when and he it, wanted to be seen. Yeah, 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 and, and he wanted to connect. That, that that's just one of the biggest things. I'm glad you said that earlier. He just there was always a. A, a, a desire for connection. He and I connected in a pretty unique way, also. Um, uh, and it's funny how this, these conversations kind of start out at the beginning. Sort of, we as we got to know each other, we realized that we both had a we had a shared history in our uh, in how each of us uh, exited um, at some point within the last number of years of our adult lives. How we exited the um, evangelical Christian church that both of us had been part of for and very deeply involved with for some time in our lives. Like from childhood through a certain point. Yeah, I don't know if his was from childhood or not. I can't remember that honestly, but it was he was definitely deeply involved. Mm. Um, but we both, 
you know, made that sort of exodus, <laughs> not to you know, make a Bible pun, but, you know, it, and it's a unique experience. It's, it, you know, the, the, if, if anyone listening has, has been through that kind of a transition in their lives, you know uh, how um, it just, it, it, it's a it's a transition that really encompasses sort of every part of your life, every part of your being. You know, yeah. your relationships are often, um, you know, uh, challenged, <laughs> or you know, uh, your your beliefs about yourself are are completely reimagined. Mm-hmm. Your beliefs about the world, um, and and so it, it's a it's a big thing to go through as an individual. And so when we learned that that each other had done that, that made that transition in their lives. It was a, a point of bonding between the two of us that was really important to me. I mean, I, I made that transition or began, honestly, began that transition when I was about 30. Um, so that was like 16 years ago mm-hmm. at this point. Um, uh, and I don't say that I, I, I can't say that I made that transition then because honestly it's been a continual sort of like unraveling mm-hmm. or re- deconstructing and reconstructing my, my systems of belief since mm-hmm. then. Um, and so when we found out that that was a shared thing, it, was, it became really, really important to me to be able to talk to somebody else who has had similar experiences, you know, just being able to like relate, <laughs> you know, like I can share this experience with you, mm-hmm. Jamie, but you've not had this particular experience. And so, um, it would, it's hard, it's hard to have that, you know, yeah. understanding. And so I can't bond with you over it. I'm always looking from the outside. Like it is really, zoo animal. <laughs> oh yeah. This really narrow spectrum of pit between pity and horror. Oh, yeah, you know, yeah. Well, like it's, it's either, oh God, I'm so sorry that happened to you or that's really messed up. Yeah. And it's somewhere just right in between. Right, right. <laughs> but I don't, I don't get it. Yeah, yeah, but to have somebody who gets it, you know, I have a few people like that in my life and I'm so grateful for every one of them. Scott was one of those people over the last three years. Um, yeah. We had conversations about that a lot. And also that, that point of... Um, of bonding then, you know, spills over into sort of, you know, cause it, when, when you leave a faith tradition like that, the, oftentimes an, a, a, a sidecar, some sidecars to that are like just a changing view of so many other things in the world. Yeah. And so we would have conversations about how we were re-evaluating and, and relearning how we see the world in terms of, of like racial equity and LGBTQ rights mm-hmm. and, you know, things that are like our, our, our brains were changing yeah. <laughs> because it, as, as an outgrowth of this other massive transition that we each made. And so we would have so many great conversations about realizations that we were making on these issues and, you know, new understandings and sometimes just sharing sharing our frustrations, you know, with, with, um, with how some people in the world think about other humans in a dehumanizing yeah. way. And, you know, oh, something like, so of course, you know, when someone close to you passes, you know, in 2021, you immediately go to their Facebook and you just look yeah. at the last stuff they posted, just kind of see where they were at, you yeah. know? And all of the most recent stuff he posted, he kind of went really like... He exited Facebook a few months back because yeah. of Facebook. <laughs> yeah. That's why he did it. He told That's us right. about it at the time. That's yeah. right. Uh, but all the last stuff he was posting before then was really like, to my Christian friends, and then like... I either, have some stuff to say. <laughs> well, often it was just like sharing a meme or a link to an article or something like that, but it was all around like... You know, white evangelical Christianity's mm. uh, culpability in a whole 
bunch of really troubling stuff that's happening socially in our country. Yeah. You know, for which he felt they take responsibility. Yeah. You know, yeah. from his perspective as someone who used to be part of it and now is out. He's mm-hmm. like, this is the stuff I used to support and now I no longer do and I really hope the rest of you wake up soon. Yeah. You know, he was really yeah. passionate about that. Oh, Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And I just valued all of our conversations about this stuff so much. I mean, it was regular and routine and and I I came to count on our interactions with Scott as just kind of a a fundamental feature of my life. Oh yeah. You know, just that this was going to be a friend that I hoped to have these kinds of conversations with and go deep with. I mean, there's some people who don't want to go there, and that's mm-hmm. fine. You 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 interact with people on their own terms, yeah. And on your own terms, you know, everybody comes to life <laughs> with what they've got. It was just really awesome to have found a friend that really wanted to to on the regular go there. Oh, constantly. You know, and I I was not really consciously looking forward to, but now I I know I was looking forward to a a long, long friendship of doing that with mm-hmm. Scott, and um, and and now we're not, we're not gonna we're not gonna have that. No. Yeah. So, does that bring us to uh, last week? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It does. So that's kind of that's that's context. That's preamble. Suffice to say, uh, he had become a super, super, super dear friend of ours. Yeah. A really close person in our lives. You know, like mm-hmm. pretty much every voicemail we traded uh, until he sort of, he withdrew over the past few months, you know? Mm-hmm. And we understood. Like, and he was frank, uh, and he was frank uh, to some degree publicly uh, about the fact that he had been just dealing with some rough stuff, mm-hmm. you know, in his life, just going through a period of depression. Mm-hmm. Um, and so he, you know, he was not around as much in the months of like from April onward, mm-hmm. you know? Uh, but we talked to them at least a couple of times a month, at least every couple of weeks. Yeah. Mostly we talked like every few days, but then it was every couple of weeks, you know, yeah, yeah. Uh, up until up until last week. Um, but, you know, even in that, you know, every message that we traded back and forth, you know, pretty much ended with love you, you yeah. know? Yeah. And from him to us too, like we felt that way about one yeah. another. It was a close, mm-hmm. dear relationship. Um and so, of course, the first thing we both felt was shock upon mm-hmm. learning this news. Yeah. Uh, that's pretty, that makes sense. Um, we have felt a lot of sadness mm. uh, over this last week. Yeah, I, the, the first, we learned about this on Friday last week, Friday morning, mm-hmm. and... It's what we woke up to Friday morning. Yeah, so, you know... It was just an immediate sort of launch into a cycle of lots of emotions. Um, the all sh- of the them sh- happening simultaneously yeah. and and overlapping each other, mm-hmm. and you know the shock of of that, just the the realization of you know going through like stages of of disbelief and then realization of the finality of this act. Um. And then back to shock again mm-hmm. and disbelief and, you know, coming back around to the finale. Just just cycling through that, I found myself just yeah. working that. Like, no, this isn't possible. This isn't possible that yeah. this person who was... He was just right here. He was just right here. Yeah. That this, that this, that this was... There's no going back. There's no rewinding in time a little bit to undo that. You know, I think about this, like, we were, we were talking with your sister the other day. 
um, such a helpful conversation in so many ways. But you know, when you when you like drop a dish and it breaks into a million little pieces, mm-hmm. you know, my reaction to something like that is like, oh no, and I my immediate impulse is to just to is there some way to go back in time just a few seconds and undo that? It's you know? just so we're close. It's right there. It's just right there. Yeah. Like if it just. You know, and th- it was a it was a similar kind of feeling in hearing the news um, that no, can we just can we just reverse in time a day, one day, and and undo this? You know, and then of course the real the the realization sort of slamming into the forefront of my brain that of course no, you can't do that. Yeah. But it doesn't. But my my brain was still feeling the impulse. You know, mm-hmm. of wanting of wanting that. Our experience over the last, uh, especially the first like three or four days, was I think for both of us peppered with an obsessive looking for answers. And there's nothing, there's not real any looking you can do. No, I mean, of no, course, no. like you can scour socials, you can go back and listen to voicemails, you can look for clues, you know. Mm-hmm. But mostly, it's just uh, intrusive thoughts and imaginations. Yeah, yeah. And uh, there's not much more to it than that. Yeah, just the wondering, the the. The how, the what, where, why, when, how, you know, the trying to figure out, yeah, you know, yeah, there was a lot of that. I think it permeating all that and part of the cycle of emotions is, was just, of course, just sadness, you know, um, the, and there are two, there are three branches to the sadness for me. Um, one is personal and mm-hmm. that is just, I really wasn't expecting there to be a Scott-shaped hole in my life today mm. and going forward. Mm-mm. And here it is. And I don't like I don't like it and I don't want it. No. You know, that's really it's a Scott-shaped hole inside of us, and it really feels like that kind of weird absence. Yeah. I don't know if anyone has ever had like a puncture wound or stepped on a nail or something like that, but like it doesn't hurt so much when the nail is in. It's mm. when you pull it out and there's mm. that gap inside of you, that yeah. empty space, yeah. that's what fucking hurts. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I guess that's what the, why they call it loss. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, like there's an absence. So that, that that's the one, the first one of the, one of the sort of spokes of sadness is personal. Then there's, of course, you know, the sadness for his family and those mm-hmm. who were closest to him. You know, we've been in, in, pretty regular contact with his best friend over mm-hmm. the last number of days. And I, you know, feeling their sadness, the family and, and his best friend's sadness, um, that that's been a lot to, to carry and ponder. Mm-hmm. It's it, also been healthy and good and validating. Oh yeah. How, tell me about that. Well, you know, to know that someone else is processing this stuff and having similar thoughts and feelings and kind of on this, a similar trajectory and timeline to ours. Mm. Like we have been, you know, communicating with Scott's best friend uh, many times a day, four mm-hmm. or five times a day, every single day since this happened, mm-hmm. you know? And we've, you know, been kind of, no one, no two people's journeys the same emotionally in the wake of something like this, mm-hmm. you know, but the arcs of them seem to be relatively similar, you know, in terms of like the, severity and intensity of feelings and the confusion and the sort of desperate grasping in the Mm. first couple of days, you know, sublimating for everyone involved, the three of us, you know, you and me and him over the the past couple of days, you know, into more, you know, frustration and acceptance and just like there's, it's just, 
this slowly moving, slowly transforming thing. But to get to do it with a fellow traveler is really helpful. Yeah. Because yeah. like, A, it validates what we're feeling. And B, like sometimes uh, Scott's best friend has has some insights uh, that help me in my process. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's really great, you know, yeah. like a way of looking at it, a healthy way of looking at it. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, Today. I want y'all to know that was Jamie bonking his microphone today. It's not actually me. my turn to bonk the microphone. That that's an honor of Scott. Um, and the the third, did you want to say something else about that second spoke? Probably, but then I bonked my microphone. Oh, I'm sorry. Well, then the third spoke of sadness, um, and the one that's been, I think, most present for me mm-hmm. in my thoughts over the last several days, um, is just holding the the enormity and the intensity of uh sadness that i'm that that i that 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 i imagine scott was carrying mm-hmm. that led him to led him to a, a place where uh his brain convinced him that this was the best and only option for him that the amount of pain that he has been in that that would lead him to this. Um, that has made me really sad to, yeah. to know how much how much pain he's been in. Yeah. Um, and we knew that you know he communicated with us that that he was struggling, but he also communicated that he was you know getting support for it and um, and, and and treatment and the whole thing. Yeah. Like he was proactively, at least in terms of what he was telling us, you know like addressing it. Mm-hmm. But when I think about, you know, him making this decision um, to end his life, uh, when I think about just the, the, the moments where he was alone mm-hmm. in his thoughts and, mm-hmm. and, and contemplate, this is not something that I imagine a lot of people contemplate with anyone but themselves it's a very it's a very alone activity a very isolated state yeah you know when i think about the pain he was experiencing in that alone and isolated state it really hurts my heart to know that he was in such a dark place yeah by himself and you know that that's the nature of depression i have experience with depression in my life and the thing that depression does, the, the essential characteristic of that disease yeah. is that it tells you over and over that you're alone, that no one understands, that you can't and shouldn't talk with anyone about it, like really how you're really feeling. Yeah. And also that it's permanent. Right. And that there's no way out. Right. None of those things are true. Right. Empirically, objectively. Right. But that doesn't really matter at all if that's the truth that you're experiencing mm-hmm. in how you're in how you're dealing with it, you know? Mm-hmm. No, it seems like it's a, and I, I, I have, I've had moments in my life of, of being depressed. I have, um, I've had moments in my life where I thought about the potential of not living any longer. Mm-hmm. Um, I never got to the place of, actually contemplating that in a real sort of way or making any plans or, you know, that yeah. kind of thing. More like just fantasizing a little bit about it. I guess, yeah. and Just because of the pain of how you you were existing in that moment was yeah. just too much and you were just like, it would be great if this were to stop. Yeah, 
Yeah. But I, uh, you know, I, I suppose in that time in my life, I got, to, I got to a place mercifully where I, I actually did see that there was a path forward. Mm-hmm. You know, my brain didn't completely uh, override um, any notions of the reality that that things could change or that things could be better or yeah. that I could be okay or that people would understand me or be there for me, mm-hmm. you know. Um, you know, I, uh, it makes me, it just makes, it makes my heart hurt to know that he was in a place where he didn't feel like any of those things were possibilities for him. Yeah, it's, you know? it's incredibly painful. Yeah. To have somebody you love that much hurting that much. Yeah. It sucks. And it sucks to feel like uh you know, there's nothing we could have done about it. And it also sucks that we weren't really given an opportunity because he kind of played his cards close to the vest until he ended it. Right. You know? Which I think <laughs> leads into the next emotion <laughs> a little bit that we've been circling around. And that is um I know uh, I felt I felt mad at him. Oh yeah, a lot of times in the last number of days, angry like very, different variations on a theme, right? Anger, but also frustration, mm. annoyance. It's you a, know, it's I've used that word too, and it seems like a strange word to use in this context to be annoyed. It sounds kind of flip, but like I like I, I find myself feeling moments of like bursts of anger, but they're really short lived because more more really my feeling is like. Thoughts where I'm like, really, dude? What the hell? Yeah. Like, same. you know, like, and, and, and I don't, you know, it's kind of, it's hard to talk about this because honestly, admitting to that feeling feels a little bit callous yeah. in a way. Or shallow or self-centered yeah. or something. I get it. It doesn't feel like a noble feeling for me either. Right. But it's, yeah, that, it's that feeling. it's very real. Like, I can't not. Oh, Totally. I can't not acknowledge that. Yeah, like, on a certain level, like killing yourself is a total dick move. <laughs> you know what I mean? And like, it doesn't sound like real cool or like noble or like, you know, appropriately like somber to say that. But seriously, man, what the fuck? Like we were really good friends yeah. and I have no closure about this and you're just gone, you know? Yeah. And it just, it pisses me off. Yeah. It feels discourteous. And it's, it's not about me, you know what I mean? Like, I'm not the one who's suffering here, and I no, want to be really I, clear that I'm not centering my own suffering. Right. But I'm right. just fucking pissed a little bit. Yeah. It's like I, I can forgive him for it, because obviously there's extenuating circumstances, but I do yeah. want to acknowledge that, like, yeah, I'm pissed. Yeah. No, I get it. And, I, and like, some of my frustration, too, and my, and my anger is like, man, could you not have just hung on, like, a few more days? Like, you know, uh, like... Yeah. yeah, like I like I know that he had a a, a a time scheduled to hang out with his best friend like a couple days later. Yeah, I know that there was you know that there were treatment things happening that could have provided a doorway out of the darkness and yeah. into something better. I'm like, could you just not have hung on? Like, yeah. ah, like I just want to like. There are moments where I just want to like punch him in the face. You know, totally. like moments when I'm just like, man, like. Could you just not have, you know, just a few more days? Just, I don't, like... It's like he was running a 100-meter race for his own survival and was, like, five meters away from the end of it. Yeah. And just sat down. Yeah. 
Like, just fucking keep running, man. Yeah. And it's, again, I'm not, I'm, I think your, your point about, you know, this not being, obviously it's not about us. It's a, this, this, this experience is about so many people, right? Like so many people who loved him, um, who were part of his life, who are experiencing this loss and experiencing the sadness and experiencing the anger and cycling through all of these emotions. And it's, and, and it's important not to center <laughs> It's important not to center our experience and it's also, but at the same time, it's important not to deny our experience. Our experience is the experience we have. It's the one thing we can talk about. Right, yeah. But, you know, when I think about that, it's just, I I want, hmm, I just, I want for, I wanted for for him to, to be able to see the other side of it. And I'm, and I'm mad at him for his sake (laughs) that he didn't. Yeah see it through and and like you said yeah we you know the next the next breath the next thought is the compassion and the and the obviously the forgiveness for for making the choice that he did mm-hmm. and the understanding or the the choice to understand even if there isn't any understanding to be had does that make sense yeah no it completely makes sense cuz there's yeah. there's no good answers mm-hmm. and what we're hoping to do uh you know always is to try to like wrap our head around it yeah you know and it's just like it, that's maybe the hardest thing about suicide is that there are there are not any good answers mm-hmm. and like you just end up at a dead end yeah. and you like if your experience is anything like my experience like my brain just like tries to be like oh let's try to attack it from this angle oh yeah oh, oh okay i didn't work out well how about this angle yeah and there's no angle no like it's just this impenetrable black box that will remain so Permanently. Yeah. Like there's no way into it. Yeah. It just is. Mm-hmm. And that's that. Um, yeah. No, I, I, I've been having that same experience. The, the what about this angle? What about that angle? We've been doing over the last number of days um, a house project, you know, painting our yeah. some exterior window frames and windows and they're old and so they require lots of scraping and sanding and lots of priming and caulking and all that kind of stuff. It's a lot of hard work. Um, and so we've been outside, you know, doing that work. And, you know, normally when I'm doing work like that, I'll like pop in a podcast or something to pass the time. And yeah, me too. I just haven't, I've done that a little bit over the last number of days, but not a lot. I've just found like, I just, I, I, I've been too distractible. So like the podcast is just like, ends up being voices and it's just clouding my already clouded brain. Yeah. And so I've been just working, you know, doing that work in, in silence a lot. And I, you know, my, that time has been, has been, uh, a feature of that time for me has been my thoughts going to Scott and going to this, attacking it from this angle, attacking it from that angle, maybe like a good 75% of my time, of my waking hours, you know, um, and, and just going there over and over and over and ruminating and, you know, um, masticating yeah. on on all of it and and at the end of the at the end of asking all those questions i don't have any better answers than the one than what i had before i started no <laughs> like none of them are good. frustrated none of them are none of them are satisfying none of them none of the things none of the potential answers satisfy any of the of the bewilderment that I have mm-hmm. about the situation. Well, none of them are or, even real answers. It's just guesses. Yeah, none of them satisfy. There is no satisfying what if questions. Mm-mm. 
that's not possible. And none of it satisfies the ache. It just, it just is. And it's just a reminder, I guess, that this is, a, you know, there's that black box you described that just is, that's just going to be a presence in my life at this, from this point on. You know, I've never had the experience. I've, I've obviously, um, not obviously, but I, I've had the experience in my life of knowing of people who have taken their lives or, 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 or knowing, knowing people, but not in a close way, people that I knew mm-hmm. who had ended their own lives. This is the first time and hopefully the last and only, um, frankly, uh, where I've been in an active friendship or an active relationship of some kind with somebody mm-hmm. who's committed suicide. And the level of, of this questioning and the level of this ruminating is on a different level than I've ever experienced before. Yeah, um, for me too. And you know, I think it's probably helpful for us to take a minute and just unpack like why we do that because I think it's a natural human yeah. impulse, but I also yeah. don't necessarily think that it comes from a super healthy place all of the time. Yeah. You know? I, I, I've recognized that in myself you know? the last few days I, for here, sure. Here's what, here's what I think it's rooted in. It's rooted in, you know, an impulse to try to, few, to try to like go back in time and control the situation. Well, so I think... Yes, I think that's part of it. I think that there's there's some of the the question and asking that is looking for something like closure. You know, like it's mm-hmm. I think that, that that's a and that's a pure impulse. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Like yeah. I think that although just trying to make some, stuff up in your own mind is not going to get you to closure. So I think in that sense it's no, misguided. No, I completely get it. But I think that's what the that where some of that impulse comes from. Mm-hmm. You know, we 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 do we we do like stories that end. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and and that have that that have a period at the end of the sentence, or that have know? the questions answered. Yeah, and it's like it, that that last page in a good thriller where every yes. question you had is answered, and you can put the book down. You don't have to think about it anymore because everything is resolved. Exactly, and this so, is just it's never going to happen. Right. That, but I think that's a natural impulse. But you're right about that. I think that there's something to this question asking that I have recognized in myself as being an attempt to sort of like. Uh, go back in time and try to control stuff that happened already, if <laughs> which I, had I only, can't do. If I had only done blah, blah, blah. Well, did I do blah, blah, blah enough? Well, uh, if only I had asked him more about blah, blah, blah. There's all these things you go back and be like, well, what if I had done this differently, how would it have gamed out differently? Yeah. As though it would change it. As though my involvement at, at all would matter no matter what I had done. You know, like yeah. this is a, this was a, a, a journey that Scott was on by himself, you know, um, like it's a it's a little bit egocentric maybe sure. of me to think that I could have done something to 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 stave this off you know like yeah. no like this was much bigger yeah. than than that for Scott you know or but, maybe much smaller you know what I mean mm-hmm. much more focused much more personal yeah perhaps yeah. in a little in a little interior part of himself that he would never, could never allow anybody else into. Mm-hmm. It's a little thing that maybe that you nurture, like this little mm-hmm. malevolent seed inside of you that's in a dark room that only you go into and you water it in there mm-hmm. privately. Oh, it makes me sad. Yeah, I, I mean, I speak of it that way because I've had that experience, you know? Yeah. That's a lot of what the stuff around my pre-sobriety time felt like for me, like really? in my late 20s. Yeah. It was a lot of extreme compartmentalization, a lot of parts mm-hmm. of myself that I was absolutely willing to look at in any kind of public way, but was very interested in looking at in a private, very destructive way, Mm. you know? Like certain drugs I would only take by myself, certain things I would do by myself when I was under the influence of those drugs, Mm. 
weird, depraved sex shit. Just like, you know, my journey was not a suicide journey. It was like an extreme self-destruction journey. Yeah. But I understand the parallels. This idea that it's just like a little place that you go inside of yourself that's something that only you know Mm -hmm. about that you try as hard as you can not to let anybody else see because then they try to get you not to do it and that's not what you want. You want to do it. Mm. You know? Mm-hmm. And you're very aware of the fact that it might take you down mm. and still you want to do it anyway because you just can't stop. Right. You know? That's- and in a situation like that, there's not really a whole lot that any external force could do to affect the outcome that you're determined to have for yourself. I mean, it re- really just like reinforces the idea that each of us gets to choose how we live. Like we, we, we all choose for ourselves, what we do and how we do it. And there's not anything, I mean, like, certainly we can, we can influence each other. Mm-hmm. But when, when push comes to shove, I'm responsible for me. Mm-hmm. And you're responsible for you. Mm-hmm. And I'm not responsible for you. <laughs> and you're not responsible for me when, you know, when, when, when push comes to shove. Yeah. You know, but so, yeah, the idea of like, could I have gone back and done something different? Well, no, that's, it's an, and it's an unsatisfying, but I think it also like, that there's also this impulse to try to like future control as well <laughs> when, when we're doing this kind of, when I'm doing this ruminating, I mean, I'm speaking from my experience over the last couple of days here. Like, like, I think that there's part of this ruminating that like, okay, if I can just figure out this puzzle as to why this happened, as to why Scott decided to do this, Mm -hmm. that maybe I could then have an understanding that would help me to not go there myself in the future Mm -hmm. or to help other people in my life not go there in the future. And all that, I recognize that all that's pretty futile too. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You know, like that... that You can't really inoculate... You can't inoculate yourself against future depression or, you know, psychological trauma. <laughs> right. I mean, and that's not to say that there aren't choices we can make for ourselves that that can um, help build our bodies and our brains in a healthy way that would maybe, you know, we, we can make good choices for ourselves. Mm-hmm. But, but, but none of it is, like you said, an inoculation against... Um, the experiences that bring us to those dark places necessarily. Like sometimes that's out of our control. Mm -hmm. Sometimes that's just beyond what our choice, (laughs) what we choose for ourselves. Sometimes stuff, sometimes shit just happens and it's awful (laughs) and, and it's traumatic. And that's that. And that's that. Yeah. And there's no good reason, we, there's no good answer, and it's not satisfying, and there's nothing really to learn from and, it, and, and it just sucks. Me trying to find out, figure out answers about this situation with our friend does, will not help me stave off those potential future happenings. No, not at all. Right. And I recognize also that there is something that, uh, that I can do, that I think people do in this kind of situation, where you can uh, attempt to intellectualize suicide or depression or old age or sickness or any of these types of things. Yeah. Uh, And the reason I think we intellectualize stuff like this is to try to distance ourselves from it. 
right? As though we might catch it. And so if we can intellectualize it and make mm -hmm. it be an other, make yes. it be something that removed from yes. us and not a part of us, we can also then fool ourselves into thinking that maybe it won't affect us. Right. Or it won't be part of our lived experience at some point in the future. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I think this is why people are so afraid of going into nursing homes. I yeah. think it's exactly the same thing. Yeah. Like this idea that, that oldness is something that, that you can catch. And if you just stay away from it, then you won't catch it. Yeah. You know, it's obviously a fallacy, but yeah. I also think it's a very human impulse. No, I think that when, when we're confronted with um, situations, circumstances in which uh, that might call into question our own mortality, you know, that, yeah, we do. I think that the intellectualizing it is, is a tactic to protect ourselves from feeling vulnerable to mm -hmm. the to those things. I, it, yeah, I, I think that that's part of, I, as I've unpacked sort of my own feelings around this this last week, I think that that's probably part of it. Like it's probably like if I can, if I can just put this in a little intellectual box and describe it and seek the answers and find the puzzle pieces that all make it make sense, that I can set it over there on the shelf and it is not going to affect my life. Yeah, that's not your problem. That's Scott's messed up problem. And we have figured it out and we've put parameters around it right. and that's and it's his deal and it's not us and it's not but it's not figure outable so there's mm. a big there's a big hole in that plan mm. <laughs> you know um yeah. but i think that that's a that's a it, it feels uh as as we're talking about this it feels ugly to describe this it yes. feels like this is a part of me i don't want to own i don't want to own my impulse to wrap it all up in a bow so that I don't have to feel fearful for myself. Sure. You know, like oh, it is so that. utterly self-centered, but like I, I, well, of course I want to say it out loud because it's something that's been a real experience for me the last number of days. I imagine it's not uncommon, you know. Well, of course we're going to relate to this back, this back to our own experience. Yeah. That's the essential thing that I think any person does when they hear about somebody close to themselves doing something like this, in, you know, this has, has not happened to me frequently, right? Yeah. But the first thing it did is mm. it, it, it's like it opens a door mm. into a place that like biologically, like primordially, yeah. we are conditioned never, ever, ever to think about or to explore, Yeah. right? Yeah. Like we're not supposed to end our own lives. I mean... The, the function of biological organisms on this earth, like the biological imperative is to protect life and to procreate as much as possible, mm -hmm. to spread genes, to spread the organism mm -hmm. as far and wide as possible for yeah. the survival of said organism, yeah. you know? And so suicide is something that we're just primed from the very, very, very beginning, I think instinctually, genetically, to not just not to consider, but to actively abhor and repel mm. and hold as far away from us as possible. Yeah. And when somebody close to us whom we love and who yeah. we respect does it, it opens a door between us and them to this understanding of the idea that it actually is something that you can do and is actually something that people can do. And indeed, a very close friend of ours who we trust and love just did it. Yeah. And I think that it awakens probably a very deep-seated fear inside each yes. of us that, well, if he did it, what's to stop me from doing it? Yeah. Well, and I think this goes to like, you know, in the first handful of minutes after we got the news last Friday. Mm -hmm. 
um, I, after I had stopped sobbing and you and I started sharing just like snippets of feeling Mm -hmm. (laughs) with each other and starting to talk about it, one of the first things that you said to me was, you can never do that. Yeah. And I said to you, well, neither can you. (laughs) But Mm. I think that what you just described is exactly what happened for me in that moment, for Mm -hmm. us in that moment where Mm -hmm. we realized, oh God, this very unsettling thing that's not supposed to be a possibility is suddenly a possibility. It's on the table all of a sudden. And I don't want it there anymore. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and like we can fool ourselves it's not on the table, but of course it's on the table. It's always on the table for everyone. Mm. Uh, you know, fortunately, most people don't do it. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, it's weird. I was just thinking in that moment as I said mm. that, that fortunately is a pretty loaded word, you know? Because mm. I don't think Scott felt his existence was fortunate. And mm. I think that's why he killed himself. Mm. You know, who am I to say fortunately? You know, I think what would have been maybe unfortunate for him would have been continuing to live in this way. Mm. And that's why he did what he did. Well, and that's, gosh, what you're saying right now is just part of this like swirling of feelings, right? Because like there's, on the one hand, this is unsettling and it's unnatural and it's, and it feels wrong. And on the other hand, maybe this is what he needed. And that feels unnatural to say that too. Like, it's just all so freaking hard. And if you zoom back out a little bit, it's all rooted, I think, in this very self-centered human idea that we are the protagonist in the story of Earth. You know what I mean? Every single one of us who, who has ever been here looks at the world from our perspective and and. And, and we view ourselves necessarily as being at the center of it because mm. we are at the center of our own world, each right. and every one of us. We're the heroes in our own story. <laughs> yeah, you know, but if you if you just zoom out even a tiny bit and just look at the contours of human existence, we've only been here for a blip. Right. A teeny tiny blip, each of us. We're not even here for a rounding error of time. This planet's been here for billions of years. Billions, you know, and we're then, here for maybe a hundred if we live an extraordinarily long life. And you're you're talking just about this planet's existence, you know. Yeah. Zoom out further than that, and the planet has only existed in this form for a blip of time. Yeah. And how many other planets are there? And how many other solar <laughs> systems? And how many other worlds? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like all of it is just impossibly self-centered, mm. you know, and egotistical. Like, and at the same time, very real. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and very but, important. Yes, but my point is yeah. that we tend to place this very disproportionately, like, outsized importance on individual human life. Mm-hmm. When if you think about it, each of us is as insignificant as a grain of sand on a beach. You know, we're just here and then we're not. We're here for this teeny tiny little blip mm-hmm. of time and then we're not. Yes. You know? That th- that is true. That is like absolutely one like th- 100% true. And also at the same time 100% true is you're the most important thing to me. Yeah. You. Right. You know what I mean? Like so it's just a lot. It's a lot to hold both that both mm-hmm. of those ideas. But you're right. And I you know, I think that if from that zoomed out experience mm-hmm. It's, it is a somewhat easier to begin to accept the idea that maybe Scott's okay. Mm-hmm. You know, 
I don't like I don't like what is, but I can't change what is. Mm-hmm. The answers I seek won't change what is. Right. But maybe, mm-hmm. maybe he's okay. Yeah. Like that. Maybe he's okay in the scope of what you just described. That you know, there's so- something bigger going on than just me sitting here in this flesh and you sitting there in that flesh. Well, something we know from physics is that energy is conserved, right? And when a person's consciousness exits their physical body, like it doesn't just disappear, you know? It goes somewhere. Just like in terms of simple Newtonian physics. Like it it doesn't... (laughs) I wonder about that a lot. It doesn't leave our sphere. It's still here in some way it's still it's still around it's still part of us i don't mean this in a religious way <laughs> i know what you i mean. just mean this in terms of, of what for me seems like a very simple idea like you know if you have a piece of paper and you burn the piece of paper the piece of paper is no longer there the like you can you can see a small pile of ashes that's smaller than the paper where the rest of it go well i mean it turned into energy it it, it sort of evaporated back into the universe right and that's what happens just from a physical standpoint like when people die yeah you know i and remember when um maybe he, maybe the, that part of him that has rejoined the energy of the universe maybe that is just a better place for his existence mm-hmm. in this time mm-hmm. In this slice of the multiverse, like maybe maybe it's a better fit for him. Yeah, uh, it's a strange it's a strange thing to contemplate, but I think it it helps me. You know, I um you, you hear people all the time, especially like if you're on Twitter and like a celebrity dies, and you know you see all the hashtag R.I.P. Whatever you know, mm-hmm. and we say we I, I I see I see these words. Often, you know, those initials and the, the rest in peace, you know, words that people use. And I, I think that I've had the reaction to that in the past where it's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's just, that's just a thing people say. They don't, what does it even mean? Mm-hmm. But I think that, I think that these last several days have helped me gain a new understanding of what that, of what those words might, might actually mean. You know, that in that, in that way you were saying that, Whatever, in whatever form or possibility that that the thing that was that thing that was Scott that we knew and loved, um, where, however or if that that might exist elsewhere now, if there's if if, if he's experiencing peace and rest mm-hmm. in a way that he clearly was not able to experience. Um, as late as last week, <laughs> right? Then maybe that's okay. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm still mad as hell at him for doing it, but like maybe also, maybe also, he's okay. Yeah, you know, I remember um, when you and I first met. Mm-hmm. Um, we did this thing where we like talked about all the important issues like right up front when we, really we first did. started dating. Every conversation was deep and heavy. Every conversation. And I remember one specific conversation when you and I were driving from the Bay Area down to LA. Mm-hmm. And I don't maybe it was on the way to scope out apartments for me because I was planning to move down there. Mm-hmm. 
this is early on in, in our dating relationship. And I remember we were talking about the nature of existence. <laughs> no small topic for a road trip down I-5 in California, but we were talking about it. And I, you know, I was still very new in my personal journey of sort of unraveling the belief system with which I was raised. And, you know, I had I'd come to a realization that that wasn't really working for me anymore and and so i i was kind of like in a real like seeking place mm-hmm. like I, and i and honestly i still am like i that's that's not really ended <laughs> 16 years later but good hope it never ends yeah you know that that, that for me too me too but like i remember you know talking with you about the nature of existence and you i, I imagine it was not an original thought maybe it was but like you shared with me your idea that that all of us that 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 all that is is maybe you could imagine it like an ocean, and that you know there's just an uncountable number of drops of water in that ocean, mm-hmm. and that when we can we can think about our lives as being like, let's say when a wave crashes against a rock and it launches one single little drop of water up into the air for a brief period of time, that that's like our lives, that Mm. little drop. And then almost before it's, you know, it's, it's almost over before it started, that drop descends back down into the ocean and becomes part of the whole again. And I thought about that a lot over the last few days Mm -hmm. that like we saw Scott when he was a single drop of salt water mm-hmm. <laughs> flying off a rock. Yeah. And now he's back in the ocean. And yeah. maybe and maybe he feels if he can feel <laughs> uh something like at home there. You know? Yeah. And 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 that that's all of our all of our existence maybe is that and and we're all maybe at home there. It's very interesting how in a very, very odd way, this actually ties directly back to the conversation that we were having on the podcast last week <laughs> about being a bigger part of a whole. Yeah, It's just weird. Two very, very, very different conversations, mm-hmm. very different situations, both touching on this idea that it's healthy to view yourself as part of something much bigger and much more ancient. Yeah. To abstract it away from your individual human experience yeah. and really recenter yourself in this idea yeah. that you're just part of the universe. Yeah. It's 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 been helpful for me to meditate on that. I can I read a little something? You may. Um this is uh I I when we finally unpacked our boxes of books a few week, a few weeks back, I uncovered this Mark Nepo um book of daily sort of what does they call it? They're, I call them meditations, but it's just like a short mm-hmm. account and like a little invitation into sort of a meditation exercise each day. And the one from the 26th, um, mm-hmm. just a couple days ago, um, was this uh, passage called House of Clay. Mm. And he writes, there was a clay house near Puhaditi Chaba in Kwa Kwa, South Africa. I probably butchered that name and I'm sorry. Good effort, though. Clay house. The roof was flat, made of loose sheets of corrugated iron, held in place by a taut length of wire that ran across the entire roof. 
Each end of the snug wire was tied to a huge bag of sand and both hung heavily on opposite sides of the house. It appeared as if the bags of sand were a saddle of heaviness that kept the roof from flying away. At first, I thought, no nails or screws? How precarious. Mm. But for some reason, the scene stayed with me until I realized that the people who lived there could open their home to the sky when things turned glorious. Now this simple clay house seemed an image of adaptability and balance, a way to make it through the storms and a way to open to the heavens. Hmm. Now the heavy bags of sand were an honest and removable grounding. It makes me wonder, how much do I nail down prematurely? How much of my pain comes from ripping up what I've overfastened on days I need to see the sky? Hmm. I and love I, it. I've been thinking about that just... Um, Sorry for the tears. No, it's okay. Here they come again. You know what I like about that is it's a way that those people in that culture have made impermanence a lived part of their day-to-day existence. Yeah. And how powerful is that? This idea that you just stay flexible. Yeah. Like Like that Buddhist image of a reed a flexible reed in the river, you know, just flowing with whatever, whatever currents come up. Yeah. It's exactly the same kind of idea, the, the but thought, in this really practical way. Yeah, the thought for me, specific to my processing of losing Scott, is mm-hmm. it makes me wonder how much I <laughs> nailed down prematurely who he is and and what his presence means or meant Mm. in the form of Scott that I knew. And that perhaps if I allow the cover to come off and to see the sky, that Mm. maybe there's something bigger to behold. Mm. Well, I mean, if you mean in how you took him on board, you know, in our day-to-day interactions with him over years, uh, we can only go on what we're given, right? Yeah. Like, you, you can, you've got to take people at face value. And I think the right and honest thing to do, the, the open-handed thing to do, is to trust people when they tell you who they are. Absolutely. You know, and we can't second-guess them. And it's good to want to, at least to a certain degree, pin down who new people are as we as we get to know him. We don't have to nail him down permanently, but at least tack him into place in our minds so we get a sense of who they are. You oh, know yeah. what I mean? But I think in just, I'm, I'm thinking in a, in a sort of more existential frame in that, you know, I, um, I don't want to prematurely nail down my own sense of my existence to this body. Mm. And I don't want to do that for Scott either. Right. You know, the idea of being sort of like the drop flying off the face of the rock. Right. And then making its way back into the ocean. But, you know, just wanting to leave, leave space in my mind and my heart for that really quite glorious revelation that, that, that there's something bigger here. 
And at the same time, to really genuinely appreciate and be grateful for the moment that we had together, yeah. you know? Because that was, that was as real as, as the infinite possibilities of the universe. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, and so I think that it's bringing me around to the idea of allowing myself to really revel in the joy of the friendship we had yeah, and gratitude for it. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, uh, a thought I've been having over the past, uh, past few days. So I've gotten a little uh, Zogchen Buddhist passage in my email every day for the past like 15 years or so. Yeah. And one of the ideas they return to constantly is the idea of impermanence, right? Like the idea that we're supposed to take time meditating upon and becoming over time comfortable with the idea that change is the only constant, right? Mm -hmm. And that a lot of human suffering is caused by what they call grasping, you know? Which I connect uh, in my mind to a core idea that I have learned in recovery, which is that a lot of the pain in our lives comes from trying to control things, you know? And in that spirit, thinking about it, um, you know, it struck me that really a lot of the grief that I've been experiencing over these last days has been because I've been feeling like I wanted more time with Scott and yeah. he took that from me. Yeah. But that's not something that I can control, right? Right? Like not in a specific situation and also in every other situation in my life. <laughs> yeah. Like life just happens. Yeah. And I can accept it or I can not accept it. Yeah. And that's really, that's it. So, you know, part of my process Mm. over the past couple of days, I've been working really consciously and intentionally on accepting it. Yeah. You know, and just seeing it for what it is with no judgment. You know, he was there, then he did a thing, and now he's not there. Yeah. And those are just all true statements. Mm -hmm. And I don't have to attach any judgment to them. I don't have to attach any emotion to them. Mm. I don't have to attach anything to them. I can just observe them going by like like drops of water in a stream, you know, like drops of water flying off that rock, you know? Like we don't judge them. We just see them and they're gone. Yes, I hear you say that. But like you've had feelings yep. this week. Yep. So like that, I wonder, is, is that pure detachment possible? <laughs> I mean, or you know, it- I, I am not yet... Uh, a perfect being. And so I'm not sure I'll ever have that molecular level of cellular control over my moment to moment brain patterns. Yeah. I, for me, I guess I'm, I'm, I, I clearly have feelings about this and I, I, I appreciate the, the standing back and observing things that are facts and, you know, like the detachment sort of, piece of what you're sharing here. Not unhealthy detachment, healthy detachment. Observation. Yeah. yeah. Uh, acceptance. <clears throat> I think that for me, part of ex- the acceptance is maybe, maybe it's better described as balance. Like I, I am sad mm. and I am angry. Yep. And those things probably won't change anytime soon. Mm-mm. But I can balance that with really feeling joy for the life I got to know in yeah. our friend Scott. 
Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, so maybe they cancel each other out. <laughs> Those two things. And, and I, and I'm left with something like serenity, <laughs> yeah. you know, like, but, but I, but I think I'm, I'm really wanting, I'm, I'm finding myself needing to, to celebrate the friendship we had to be grateful for it and to live in that space. That feels like the right move for me right now. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's right. I don't know if it's a canceling out and leaving you with like a, 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 <laughs> a, a void of serenity for me as much as it is maybe more of a both at the same time kind of thing where yeah. it's just two conflicting and unreconcilable truths that you have to hold long term. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Loved him. Wish he were still here. Also, he's not here anymore. Yeah. And, you know, that's a choice he made and I can accept that. Yeah. And I'll probably, you know, they each have a gravitational pull, right? Each of those feelings has a, has a gravity about it. Yeah. And I will be pulled more toward one or more, more toward another, you know, at, at some points, I'm sure. I find myself still in the middle of that experience. I yeah. mean, even right in this very moment, you know, there are moments when I feel this afternoon, you know, more lighthearted and accepting and remembering him in a joyous way. And there's moments where I feel mm -hmm. sad and angry and pissed. Yeah. And they're both true. Yeah. And they'll probably both persist Pretty long term, you know, when I see myself uh, in the more accepting and celebratory moments, I try to positively reinforce those within myself, <laughs> yeah. you know, and when I find myself in the moments that feel less good, I try not to dwell there mm -hmm. unnecessarily. I try rather more just to honor the feeling, mm -hmm. but also to try to redirect because I know which feels better for me. Right. You know? Right. Yeah, and that's that's really, I mean, like like they say, right? Like the only thing you can control is how you react to stuff. Mm -hmm. And so, or like they say in AA, you're not responsible for the first thought, but you are responsible for the second. Yeah. And so these waves of emotion that come at me, you know, like I just try to be really present and triage them. Yeah. You know, and the ones that seem more productive, I try to honor them and sit with them longer. And the ones that seem less productive, I try to honor them and sit with them less long. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I feel you. Can we uh, end with some gratitude mm -hmm. then in that spirit? Hell yeah. Tell me one thing you loved about Scott and you're great, I mean, you're grateful for his friendship. <sighs> this doesn't have to be the only thing. We can go back sure. and forth as long as you want. It's funny. This is making me feel emotional. Is it? <laughs> this process, yeah. Um, but something I loved about Scott and this happened frequently with him because he was so like curious about the world and loved to think deep thoughts and go deep and just talk about stuff and think about stuff. Yeah. Um, and we did a lot of that with him. We did a lot of it uh, in person when we had the chance to see him in person. We did a lot of it over like Zooms or whatever, you yeah. know, when we had the chance to do it there. Uh, but it's how his like eyes would light up when he got into, like when, when something intellectually stimulated him or stimulated his imagination. You could see the light bulb go off. Oh yeah, totally. <laughs> but it was interesting because he would also kind of hunch forward. Yeah. Like his shoulders would roll forward and he would kind of, he would his eyes would light up, but also his brow would furrow. It was like this conflicting thing. Like you would think, <laughs> when you think of like something lighting up, you think of it being like a shoulders back, chest forward, opening up. But his physical manifestation of interest was like he wanted to get more into it. Dig, like dig he, in further. Like he almost made himself smaller so he could fit do it better, yeah. you know? Yeah, it was know what you mean. really interesting. Uh, but he would get so engaged and he had just like this, 
just tractor beam thing about him yeah. that just like drew me personally very in mm-hmm. when he got into that engaged, excited mode of talking about things. Yeah. And it was wonderful. It was wonderful. How about you? One of the things I um I came to sort of like count on and like love from him. Uh we always put this podcast out on Wednesday at 12 a.m., right? Ish. Ish, yeah. <laughs> so, you know, Tuesday night, we're going to bed. You know, it's posting, and we go to bed Tuesday night. It posts at 12 a.m. Wednesday morning. Um, and uh, we would often, like so many times, I, don't, I can't even count how many times, we would wake up on Wednesday morning to a voice recording from Scott who had been up early, like in the four o'clock hour sometimes, you know, listening to our podcast. He used to like, get up early and go mountain biking at dawn. Yeah. That was a big part of his life. And so he'd listen to the podcast like on his drive to and from the mountain biking spot, but he'd, we would often get a voice recording message from him, from his car as he's driving, just listen to the podcast guys and really love the conversation about da 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 and he would offer his thoughts and like, it was always, they were always great thoughts. They were always like, it was always fun. I just I loved I loved hearing his voice. Like it, it felt like we were in the conversation. You know, we, we we sit here and record this podcast, and it goes out into the world. Um, but hearing Scott's voice back talking back to us felt like we were having a conversation with him about these things that were important to us, mm-hmm. and they were clearly important to him too. And you know, I just I loved getting those voice messages from him, and he would end them always with, "Okay, well that's it. Love you guys." Yeah, <laughs> you know. <laughs> That's something I just, I just loved. I love that experience with him. Yeah, me too. Um, loved his enthusiasm about synthesizers. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, not, not about the physical thing, but the synth- sounds that synthesizers make. Cause he didn't make, he didn't make music, but he, uh, he, he would oftentimes like, Oh, love that buzzy synth. Oh, love that warm, you know, <laughs> like there was mm-hmm. always something yeah. he, that he loved to talk about with, with that. And I just loved his like childlike, um, enthusiasm about a song, you know. He would get so enthusiastic about stuff. Mm-hmm. I love that. Yeah. He had a real ability to connect with that childlike part of himself that just enjoyed enjoying things. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And that was really inspiring to me, mm-hmm. you know. Anytime I am around someone who's just totally able to go there, I'm able to go there, yeah. you know. And when I see somebody else who is too, it sort of, reaffirms that uh, that part of me. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm grateful to him for for constantly reaffirming my my zest for life. Because that's that's the thing. He had and that's something that it's part of what I'm struggling with. He had a huge zest for life. Yeah. And then he just fucking apparently like just lost like the thread of that somehow. Yeah. Yeah. You know? You know, um this isn't a, a comment about Scott uh, that's just about Scott. It's about it's about the way he poured into us that mm-hmm. I'm gra- grateful for. Um, he was such an encouragement. I mean, this last, especially this last uh, year and a half since the beginning of the pandemic, yeah. when our sort of professional life sort of like turned topsy-turvy because we couldn't tour and mm-hmm. had to make some big changes and it all felt very scary and unknown. Man, he was right there encouraging us every step of the way. Like every step. Every step saying, "Man, I see how you guys, you know, he would he would he would make a voice recording and send it over and say, "Hey, I see how you guys like, you know, 
I have been facing this situation and I just want to say that you're doing it with such courage and vulnerability and I just really admire it. I think you're doing a great job. Like he was so giving, he's so generous with his encouragement yeah. and his support. Like, I, and I told him this over and over and over again. I know I told him over like enough, mm-hmm. <laughs> I think that that his, his, his encouragement really over the last couple of years has been one of the things that has that has buoyed and lifted us in a way that has gotten us through oh, yeah. this time. Like I, he, he was an essential part of me feeling like I could keep going in the direction I was going in my life. Not just with the business stuff, but with the creative stuff too. Oh, you yeah. know, like I, I felt continually validated by uh, his really intentional and generous encouragement. And oh, I yeah. cannot overstate how grateful I am for having that in my life. Oh, I feel exactly the same way because, you know, he was encouraging of you on the the songwriting side of things. He was equally encouraging of me, like on the production side. Yeah. Because, you know, he was a very astute listener of music and he understood how that stuff works on an emotional level as a yeah. listener. And yeah. like, he would have specific comments, yeah. you know, for me too. Like the number of people who have specific comments about production, like <laughs> it's very, very, very few yeah. in, in like our world. You know what I mean? People are like, oh, Shannon, the songs are so amazing. And, and Jamie, they sound good, whatever that means, yeah. you know? But like, he'd be like the way that buzzy synthesizer came in in the second chorus really <laughs> lifted it emotionally. Yeah. I'd be like, yes, that's exactly what it did. That's, that's why I put it there. To do. Yeah. <laughs> I am so seen right now. <laughs> Absolutely. You know, he, he was, um, he was somebody who earned a place of real trust in our lives too, yep. you know, because of, because of his generosity of spirit, you know, when, when we were first putting together our Zoom concerts that we did last year, yeah. we had no idea how it was going to go. Mm-mm. And we knew we needed to do like a test run. And the I mean, we didn't even have to say it to each other. We knew who the person was going to be that we were going to ask to do a test run with. And it was Scott. Like, oh, yeah. We both had the thought, like, it's got to be Scott. Oh, yeah. You know, so. And when, he did repeated beta tests with us. Like yeah. he did like, I want to say <laughs> two or three separate nights of beta testing of the concert with us. I mean, testing everything from the presentation to the camera angle to the sound to like mm-hmm. literally all of it because he was like the one person like who who would just he would get, get it. it and he would and also yeah. he would know like we trusted him to know like he would just tell us he would know intuitively if it was working or if it wasn't working and if it wasn't working he'd be able to put his finger on what yeah. maybe he needed to improve for it to connect emotionally with him yeah he was so in tune emotionally in that way yeah absolutely you know? yeah <laughs> yeah you know, um, one of the he would he would oftentimes um, in his in his encouragement of us he would uh, just I, when I think about the the intentionality and the generosity that goes into a, an act like this, it's just kind of overwhelming. I, I I think maybe maybe I took some of this for granted, mm. um, but he would fairly frequently say, "Hey." I was pulling out my Shannon Curtis Spotify playlist and I heard this song and it hit me in a new way. And here's how, you know, he would do that a lot, um, which was so meaningful to me. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, And sometime within the last few months, I don't know when it was. And I actually tried to go back and, and find the message, but I couldn't find it exactly. 
But I know within the last, sometime within the last few months, he uh, sent us a message that said something very simply like, been spending a lot of time with this one lately. And he attached like, I think a photograph of, or a screenshot of his Spotify um, playing an instrumental piece from our 2019 album. Uh, no, 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 excuse me, the 2020 album, uh, And Her Whisper Becomes a Storm. And um, I thought about, I've thought about that a bunch over the last few days. And so I wondered if maybe we could just close today's podcast with, um, just end with that, that, that song that he kind of most recently mentioned was something he was spending a lot of time with. Yeah. Uh, it's a song called Small Breath. And so we'll, we'll end today with that. But are there any final things that you want to say? Yeah, you know, I, uh, I would just like to invite anybody who hears this to contribute your reflections, your thoughts. Mm -hmm. If you're in the Misfit Stars social network, uh, then, you know, please contribute them there. Uh, if you're not in the Misfit Stars social network, uh, you know, you could post on Facebook, you could post on his Facebook, you could, t uh, you could email us. Uh, if you have something that's just more for the general community to hear, thoughts and reflections, and maybe post it publicly. If it's just something that you want to share with Shannon and or me, mm -hmm. then you could message us on Facebook. You can email us at Shannon at MisfitStars.com and Jamie at MisfitStars.com. But we, uh, you know... We want to make sure that you know that uh, you have a space to talk about this. Uh, and also, you know, I understand that this topic can, can be really, really hard to talk about. And mm -hmm. so if you just need to talk in a more meta way about suicide, maybe you've had experience with it in your life. I mean, really anything that we've brought up for you mm -hmm. in this conversation today, I want you to know that we're here for you if you want to talk about it. Like, we're not just going to, like, put it on you and then bail. Like, <laughs> we're here. So just, like, let us know how we can support you in the wake of this conversation. Mm -hmm. You know, for those of you who knew Scott and those of you who didn't uh, equally. Yeah, absolutely. Well... Shall we say goodbye for today? Yeah. All right. Uh, Scott S., we love you. We do. The rest of y'all, uh, we'll be back next week. And please take good care of yourselves mm -hmm. and be good to each other. Yeah. We love all you guys very much. We'll see you soon. See ya. See ya.